What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. I'm Tom Westerholm. I'm joined tonight by Nicole Yang and good pal Brian Robb of Mass Live. Uh, B Rob, how you doing, man? I'm good. Free agency day two in the books and a lot of names to talk about, but not so much on the Celtics front. <laughs> yeah, uh, another really busy day for the Celtics who signed, I'm counting here, nobody. The Celtics yet again went without a free agency signing. Patty Mills is not coming to the Celtics. Mills is headed to the Nets on, I believe, a one-year, no, a two-year deal. Rudy Gay is headed to the Jazz on a two-year deal. Once again, like the Celtics just completely unwilling to put any money toward anybody that goes beyond this coming season. Guys, what do do we make of today's lack of moves and some of the names that the Celtics are letting go off the board right now? I mean, I don't think it's anything against Patty Mills. I don't think it's anything specific about Rudy Gay in terms of fit or anything of that nature. Same thing with Jeff Green. I think if the Celtics weren't going to sign Jeff Green for two years, $10 million with a player option, they're not going to sign Patty Mills or Rudy Gay, who both signed, I think, two-year $12 million deals. Like, it's all about the financial flexibility at this point. And I don't think it's anything about the specific players. I think it's just about the money. Like, they're not going to sign anybody that's not on a one-year like minimum deal basically on top of that i think you look at where these guys landed the patty mills little rose and rudy gaze worlds and let's be honest the nets and the jazz have a much better chance at winning a title next year than a celtics team that's not willing to spend much if these guys like patty mills are looking for a ring and you're going to have a team like the nets come offer to you you're probably going to go there at this point so we'll see who falls through the cracks here like i don't know if you guys have your eye on anyone but i do think it's also a reality of you know the tough reality of yeah this is a a quote-unquote bridge of Celtics and there might be some opportunity here but if you want to win a ring you're probably not going to sign with boston for a discount no, I think that's exactly right. I think one of the things the Celtics can offer at this stage is a role. A guy who comes to this team, if he's a solid veteran, will get minutes, will have a chance to earn another contract in the league after the Celtics, because we all know that that contract is going to be a one-year deal. So it's basically like, you want to come try out for the rest of the NBA with the Celtics for a year? And those guys aren't going to be the guys who go on the first day or two of free agency. Like Those are guys who go you know, maybe tomorrow or maybe the day after. And Mark Murphy uh, of the Herald today, noted that there's a good chance they don't even use the 5.7 million dollar taxpayer mid-level they might just end up going out and signing you know maybe a couple of like veteran or just above that type deals to fill out the roster I mean, again, we've talked about it. You called it a bridge year. I think that's exactly right. If this is a bridge year, these are the types of guys they're going to bring in. And it's not going to be the most exciting thing in the world. And there's going to be a lot of angst. But that's the reality of what the Celtics are trying to pull off right now. Yeah, I mean, Mark Murphy reported basically what everyone had sort of concluded through the first two days, which was that the Celtics priority is to retain a salary structure that makes it possible to sign, quote, a major player when he becomes available. So, but would you guys see them not even spending the taxpayer mid-level? I would say that that's not a great look. Because even if even if you're only going to spend that like $5 million, you could still get someone there in place, get a good look at someone. But to totally not spend that even on a one-year deal this year, I think that would not be a great look because, at least for the team, because with Tatum and Brown, et cetera, like, 
they're not going to want to not compete next year. So if you have this resource, yeah, maybe you're not going to go ton into the tax, but you got to at least spend a little bit and at least show your team in the present. I feel like, hey, we're at least trying, even though we're we're obviously going to position ourselves more for the long term here. That makes sense. I, I think the overall point being more that whoever that takes that 5.7 million is going to have to be willing to, you know, not have any, you know, not have any guarantees for next year, not have any, not have any like job security for next year. The guys who you get with that are more like, like Patty Mills was not going to come for that kind of, you know, deal. Like Rudy Gay was not going to come for that kind of deal. And, and again, I think that's why we, we end up getting to like your Wednesday, Thursday, Friday type guys, you know, before the Celtics can actually sign someone. So again, the Celtics are really telegraphing what they're trying to do next off season. But obviously, yeah, I think, I think you're right too, though, that it's, especially if the Celtics struggle this season and they haven't spent that 5.7, then it will look kind of bad. It, it, like if, if they have, you know, another tough season, if they are kind of disappointing in certain ways, I think there will be a lot of questions that could kind of trickle down to the players too like that could not necessarily like you know derail anything but could kind of you know cause bad vibes that the Celtics definitely don't want as they you know get ready for an offseason where they're going to be trying to pursue a max free agent you know I'm not sure how much a 5.7 I'm not sure like how much that guy if they do sign someone is even going to make a difference especially again with like a Wednesday or Thursday guy but it certainly would make sense to, to use it now and to just try to improve this year's team as much as they can well so the Celtics have 14 of their roster spots accounted for correct as of right now? As of right now, yeah. So we'll we'll see how much, again, and that Tristan Thompson deal is still not official yet, so we can see there could be some maneuvering there, but you're right. I think 14 is exactly what they have, Nicole. And Jan Madar today said that he is coming and plans to play for the Celtics this year. I don't know if he cleared that answer with Brad Stevens ahead of time or what the deal is there, but he did announce that he plans to play for the Celtics this year. Yeah, we buried the lead of the podcast, guys. Like, that's the story today. Madar's coming. He's coming for a starting point guard job, maybe? We'll see. I don't know. I did get a, a little bit of a chuckle uh, over Peyton Pritchard being asked about, you know, oh, like, uh, how, like how exciting is Yam Madar? Peyton Pritchard being like, got long arms. He can run. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, this is Peyton Pritchard's job that Yam Madar is trying to come for. Yeah, I mean, whether or not he cleared that with the team, that sure would be interesting to see him here next season, and we'll get a good look at him in Summer League. Hearing him talk, I mean, I, I certainly got the impression more that it was him trying to you know speak things into existence more so than like him giving some information that uh he had heard from brad stevens but you know maybe i'm wrong we'll we'll see because austin ainge i think it was what last week austin austin ainge said you know pretty much it's up in the air i.e we'll see what you look like in summer league kid but yeah you guys think you would come over on a two-way like i wonder if that's money-wise enough for him to do and i i do think like the Celtics would have to buy him out of whatever contract he is overseas that's probably the other big question in terms of like yeah. is that worth doing that for if i were him i would i probably would try not to come over on a two-way because it just feels like two-way guys you know the guarantees for them once they reach the nba are nothing once you get through that first year the team can ditch you the team cannot ditch you you know if they ditch you are you going to have trouble finding another job that kind of thing like if i'm yamadar i would you know or at least i guess maybe if not if i'm yam but if i'm his agent i would definitely be like get my guy an actual deal get him like you know get him the shemi ojale deal before he's going to come over that makes more sense to me than having to having to grind his way into the NBA. And then once you make the NBA on a two-way deal, then having to grind your way into the NBA a second time. Like that just kind of seems like a lot for a young player like him. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd be surprised if you'd come over for a two-way just for that reason. Like you said, it's such a longer process to get to where you make real money. 
that is obviously one roster spot that that could be in play there. But we know that I think they can carry up to 20 players, Nicole, heading into the offseason. So they they could still, again, bring in a bunch of guys, even on veteran minimums, still to take a look at here if they do want to withhold their spending. Maybe it's a simple matter of ownerships like, hey, this is a bridge year. We don't want to pay tax in a bridge year. So obviously people aren't necessarily happy with the Celtics and the way they're going about things right now. And you can see why to an extent the Celtics are, you know, maybe the only team that hasn't signed anybody yet. To that point, I would note that they made several roster moves right away, right? Like they traded Kemba right away. It's not like the the team looks exactly the same at this stage. They added Josh Richardson. Like if Josh Richardson had been a free agent and the Celtics had signed Josh Richardson, I think it would be like, oh, that's kind of an interesting guy. That's an interesting addition, but it didn't happen at, you know, Woj wasn't tweeting. The Celtics have signed, you know, at 6 p.m. on Monday. So everybody got antsy. But I do think this team is very much, is very clearly going for next year. And I think there's a lot of angst as to what, you know, what if Bradley Beal doesn't come? Like, you know, what will that mean for the team? What do you guys make of that? Of just kind of the reaction to this? Do you think it's fair? I guess, how fair do you think it is if you do? Like, you know, where do we stand with that? I mean, it is risky in the sense that losing seasons are tough. I feel like on any team across all sports. If the vibes don't improve, it could be tough on the Jays. It could potentially strain relationships. Like there is totally that potential. Like I think even if the Celtics aren't, I mean, they definitely won't be championship contenders, but even if that's the case, they do need to still be competitive. I think, I guess that would be what I would identify as the risk. Like if things still go as awry as they did last year in terms of both the vibes and their record, like that's not great. I agree. I mean, you have two all-stars in your prime right now and you just, you didn't throw away last season, but last season was a wash. And then you're essentially setting yourself up to do the same here. Not, not because you want it. I mean, like you said, Josh Richardson, that's like, that was a free agent signing. That's a legitimate signing. And that's essentially what they did by taking him into TPE. Chris Dunn, we don't know if he's going to stick around, but that is, you know, that's something. But at the same time, like, where do the Celtics ring in the East right now? If only they're getting better minutes. Are they like legitimately seventh, eighth? borderline playoff team territory because after I mean who knows what Chicago is going to look like but they clearly have more talent than you I don't know whether it's going to fit together but you wonder and then with everyone else in the east also kind of loading up here it's it kind of puts them in a in a spot almost close to being a bubble team in the east you know I don't necessarily think that losing Kemba is going to make this team any worse really I think that's true you know, if there is improvement from Rob Williams, if, you know, the Jays take another step up, there's room for improvement. Again, certainly not to turn the Celtics into a contender, but like, I don't know, do you believe in the Knicks? It's not even the Knicks though. It's the Heat, the Hawks, the Bulls potentially. Like, I don't think they're going to be good. Like, I think four or five would be like fantastic. Like that would be like the ideal finish. That's probably best case scenario for like the regular season. I think that's right. Yeah, no, I I agree. I, I think the reason I'm kind of, brushing it off is like the way the Celtics have set themselves up it kind of doesn't matter I don't know like the the Celtics clearly have have a vision and have a path that they are trying to follow part of the price of trying to follow that is that this might be a tough year I think one thing that people need to remember too this is not like it's not like this is Danny Ainge's team and you know Brad Stevens is just building off Danny Ainge's team Brad Stevens is a completely new president of basketball operations like he is taking things in a different direction and yeah like I think there might be some growing pains as he builds what he's trying to build like there is risk involved like you are risking a year in the prime of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum but the thing that you're trying to do is bring in a guy that can help turn them into a championship contender and if they pull that off then all of the risk was worth it 
No, I don't disagree with you. I think like this is the correct path. And I think this is a viable path and things just can't go so badly that there's like more tension between Jalen and Jason, essentially. Like that's, I think the most important thing. Yeah. Watching that dynamic will be fascinating all year long. And then, I mean, I think the other thing you look at is if things, if, I mean, they'll bring in a couple of names, I'm sure at some point where they are in veterans room, but what it's setting up for this year too, is a lot of focus on the younger guys. They're going to get opportunities if you're not bringing anyone else in, like whether it's Neesmith, Pritchard, Lankford, like those guys are going to play. And the Celtics are really going to be hoping they're building some value either for themselves as bench players on a team around three stars or as part of a trade package to get something else as the decks are cleared, essentially. So that is going to be uh, one of the more intriguing subplots as well when you just look at what's kind of on the table for this year, I feel like. No, for sure. I I think that's exactly right on both ends. Again, everything about this season feels like it's going to be about next year. And that's going to be frustrating for people. Like, I I do get that. Like, going into a season and just thinking to yourself, well, like, you know, wait till next year. Like, that's that's not fun. And it's a little bit, I don't want to say unprecedented, but it's very unusual to do that when you have two young, you know, all NBA caliber players on your team. Like, that doesn't usually happen. Usually, if you have those guys, you're trying to win now and win right away. But if the payoff is then that they are very happy and that you have a chance for actual championships, there was not a path to turn this year's, this current iteration of the team into a real contender. I think that the path to do that exists next offseason and the Celtics are going all in on that. So if, you know, if you're one of those people who's like, you know, in Boston, we only care about championships. We only care about, you know, winning the whole thing. Then this is the right path. If you just want a competitive team, then sure, I can understand complaining. But if what you want is championships, I think the Celtics are doing the right thing. So given the way that they're operating right now, theoretically, they could have enough space to sign a max free agent and then also Robert Williams if he doesn't play himself into like a max contract. Like as long as they sign the max free agent first, it doesn't matter because they'll have Rob Williams restricted free agent rights and they can just re-sign him with bird rights and go over, right? It could be tight because they have to maintain his cap hold, which shouldn't be too big because he was taken later in the draft. But that, again, they might have to do some housekeeping that might cost them a couple other, you know, like a Romeo or a Grant or whatever to make that work. But yeah, in theory, they should be able to to pull that off. And that the fact that the cap number for next year came in a few yeah. million dollars higher should help them be able to do that. So obviously, you know, you're gonna have to lose obviously a lot of guys if you're gonna sign Beal or whoever next year. But Rob is ideally a guy you can agree to a deal beforehand and say, you know, sit tight so we can sign Beal and then we'll take care of you. So to that end, is that really the core here? 2022 and beyond like Jalen Jason Rob if he stays healthy and like has a good season and Beal or whatever max free agent they sign is that pretty much what we're looking at I don't know I mean what do you think Tom I I think that is probably what they're planning to do to me that looks like something like a a championship team right you have two star wings and a star guard and I I think that Tatum and Beal would really complement each other because you can't double team either of them and hey then there's Jalen too like that's that's a really good trio but then I think if the Celtics want more star power you know they still have Jalen Brown. And I know we've talked about whether, you know, we would trade him for James Harden and, you know, whether the Celtics should trade him for Bradley Beal. Well, if you're signing Bradley Beal and, and you, you you feel like you need to, to, to trade Jalen Brown or you need a different superstar, or maybe next season doesn't go particularly well. And maybe Jalen and Jason aren't that happy and, and you're going to have to split them up anyway. Again, you have a all NBA caliber guy who still has two years left on his contract. Like, you know, you, you've got a really, really valuable player. There's any number of teams who would be lining up to offer you something really valuable for him. So I think I'm sure what the Celtics are thinking right now 
now is our core is Tatum, Jalen, and hopefully, you know, sign Bradley Beal, but they wouldn't be locked into that. There would be some flexibility if things go poorly this season. They wouldn't be locked into that team completely. It's going to be a big year for evaluation. Yes. A year for evaluation across, like for the young guys, like in terms of that that duo. Do we feel like adding a third star to that duo gets us over the top, or do we need to make more adjustments from a positional need or whatever? You know, if we have a guy like Beal potentially coming in the door, so that is again how it looks like new coach, new system. It's going to be a lot of new things, new things at play here, and how that all comes into into play this year is going to be really interesting to watch. Rob, I'm curious for your thoughts on Marcus Smart's future. We talked about it on the last pod, just given all the reporting and sort of the number that's been attached to him for the contract extension and what the Celtics are trying to do. Like, what do you see it as? Sorry, Smart. If the plan is to maintain flexibility, then the one way you mess up that plan is giving Marcus Smart an extension. And that's not a, it sucks for Marcus Smart because you've been here for seven or eight years and you say, hey, like, I want to be taken care of here. I'm like putting my body on the line every night. Most fans love me or not most fans, but enough fans love me. But if you're Brad Stevens, it's why you're not probably not going to give Rob Williams an extension either right now. It's like you you yeah. want to maintain that flexibility. And so and so whether Smart can handle that um, or whether, again, that creates some tension behind the scenes entering this year, that's a tough one. That's a tough one for the front office and it might be a tough one for Udoka to handle, um, you know, from a coaching standpoint. I'm curious just to nail this down. Like, obviously, the Celtics are going down a certain road. What do you think about this direction? Do you think, is it smart? Is it what you would have, you know, kind of recommended? Where, where do you stand on this? It's probably the best option, but that doesn't mean it's like a great option. Hmm. It's still a risky option. Is the, the alternative being re-signing Fournier, give Smart an extension, give Rob Williams an extension, and then really put yourself locked into that group outside of some crazy trades? Like, I think flexibility is a better option than that. And so, again, this is more of like, how did we get here in the first place? Like losing some talent and making some bad signings kind of put them in a bad spot. So it's kind of making it the best to have a bad situation. But at the same time, you could have some egg on your face after all this too, if Beal signs an extension or just gets traded somewhere else. So it's like, we'll talk about this later, but I'm curious to like what, what happens in that type of situation is what makes me really wonder in terms of tough job for Brad Stevens out of the gate. <laughs> yeah. It's not without risk. I think the reason Nicole and I are so high on this is on this particular direction is that the one we were looking at, we were like, well, I think the Celtics just have to trade Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal right now. Sure. And the Celtics seem to have found a way to kind of duck around that and maybe keep some hope alive of having that trio. Or, you know, again, if things don't go well of having Tatum Beal and then, you know, whoever they acquire via trade. Like, I, I do want to make it clear that I don't think either me or Nicole is like, this is a fail safe option. Like, this is perfect. No. It's more that it's just like, this is a pretty nice little pivot, I think, that Brad Stevens has made. Right. Because it didn't look like they were going to be able to do this a month ago. No. But exactly. But then did you like they pull off all these deals and then it's like, okay, maybe we have something here. I feel like before the way that they could become like a contender was trading Jalen Brown. So the fact that they're able to retain Jalen Brown and then also sign a max free agent, like that's not a bad recovery. And I think also to B-Rob's point, like it's no coincidence that Brad Stevens's first three moves are undoing some of Danny Ainge's moves. Like it's sort of like a, how did we get here type thing? Like they're just trying to recover. And I think like reset instead of like forging ahead on whatever Danny had sort of set for him. I like the reset theme. We call this like the reset season. We're gonna have to have a name for this season. Yeah. Yeah. As long as it's not another hospital season, man, I can't. Keep <laughs> also, if it's a hospital season with this roster, it's gonna get ugly really quick. 
Yeah, lottery season. The one guy who got signed today that I was like, man, I think the Celtics should have taken like a real run at him was Ish Smith. Because you know you could get him for a one- on a one-year deal. You could tell him, look, man, like you might be the starter. I'm not sure. Like, there, I think there would have been like a real, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the Celtics made calls. And I'm sure, I, in fact, I would be surprised if Brad didn't, the way he talks about Ish Smith every time they play him. But he was a kind of an under-the-radar guy that I was like, I wonder if he might end up in Boston. There's opportunity here for some guy. If some guy wants to come here, I mean, you're not going to make much money, but you could start because yep. you know josh Richardson's not only you lock him into the starting five they could just have him off the bench so that's where again we'll see if they can do a sell job on one of these guys that falls through the cracks and be like hey you know i know all you guys are going to lakers or the nets or wherever but i look at some of those teams now and i look at some of the guys signed there being like wow you're not gonna be able to play there i mean that's great yeah. that you might get a ring but they just signed too many guys so hopefully that I mean we'll see if that's a, a way the Celtics can sell themselves in the next week here and that's why I think these days make more sense for them because it's going to be the guys that are like really just combing through the leftovers like, okay, what's the best spot? And they can make a case of like, okay, you can have a, a prove it deal basically and hopefully play your way into some more money. Agreed. Maybe the Celtics are going to get a Wednesday guy. Uh, maybe tomorrow evening we'll be back on here talking about a guy the Celtics actually signed. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hopefully the Celtics have some more interesting news for us to talk about tomorrow. But one way or the other, we will be here either breaking somebody down or scraping the barrel. But we do appreciate everybody who listens, everybody who left us a five-star rating or review. Again, like we said in the last episode, if you guys reach out, we, we would love to talk about the podcast, like on Twitter, whatever. You know where to find us. We, we love to hear from you. Love to hear what you guys think. So we will talk to you guys again later this week.